eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going on, everybody? It's Monday night, and that means it's time for the OBR's Unscripted. I'm your host, Michael Keefe. Find me online at Garage Beers Mike. And joining me shortly, hopefully, is my co-host, Andrew Spade. You can find him online at Andrew Spade. Uh, he said he's getting here. He said he's getting here, so he will be here uh, as quickly as possible. While he gets here, let's go over some basics, uh, specifically regarding the OBR. The OBR, your home to all the best off-season Browns coverage. Oh, look who's here. Look who's here. Hold on. I can cut for this. Look who's here. It's, it's Andrew Spade. What's up, Andrew? Hi, Mike. Uh, sorry for being minutes, seconds late. Uh, life is much more hectic when you have a full-time job. Miffed. <laughs> Miffed. Uh, no, no worries. Catching it on. happens. It happens. Uh, so yeah, listen, uh, uh, first of all, on the OBR, great week planned for this week. I was just getting to that. Uh, so if you're not subscribed to the OBR, make sure you're subscribed to the website, make sure you're following the socials. There's a great week this week. Uh, Andrew, you and Jake doing franchise mode tomorrow, I'm guessing, right? Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Cool. <laughs> that Tuesday night slot's awesome. Very fun to talk about. Uh, yeah, what is- I know. It's fun. Well, it's fun to be unpredictable. I've found Oh, well, you guys are, you're nothing if you're not that. Are we still getting the music, by the way? Are we still just jamming to the music in the background? I, I'm not hearing anything. That might just be in your head. Oh, there it went. It went. Thanks, Ian. Ian McBride in the background. Thanks, Ian. <laughs> uh, uh, so what I do know is tomorrow at 9 p.m. is Garage Beers, and we're shifting gears. Uh, we have a great interview, and I know it's great because we did it today, uh, but we're going to play it live tomorrow uh, with uh, – the 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 director the VP of communications for the Cleveland Guardians, uh, Curtis Danberg is going to come on and talk Guardians baseball with us. We're going to relive last year a little bit. We talk about this year a little bit. Everything going on down at Progressive Field. Now that the football season is over, it's almost time for pitchers and catchers. It's almost time for spring training. So on Garage Beers this week, we're going to talk a little baseball. Then Wednesday, you're going to have OBR Weekly with Barry and with Fred. Uh, so just the 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 two legends or the one legend and Barry. Uh, that are going to be doing OBR weekly. And then Thursday, it's all eyes on Cleveland with Brad Ward. So it's a great week of stuff going on here on the OBR and all of the written content that you can get on the OBR's OBR's website. Yes, Ty Sox, we're playing the taped interview live tomorrow. Yes, we are. That works. Pre-recorded segment tomorrow. But, But we've got like an hour. We've got like an hour of other stuff to talk about live. So it'll be a live show. And we'll play the recording. Let's come on. Come on. And I'm not throwing Kevin. I'm not throwing shade at Barry. This is these are basically Barry's words. A little bit of shade. These are Barry's. Okay. A little shade. A little bit of shade. 
So like a like a like a sapling. I do want to. I appreciate Fumble Thirteen while we were waiting for the, <laughs> for the countdown. He said we need better music if we're going to be on hold for five minutes before the show. Some yeah. Zeppelin or Stones and Fumble. I just want to thank you for offering to pay that uh, that licensing fee. Yeah, generous. Much appreciated. Generous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very generous. All right, let's talk some football, Mike. Let's well, let's talk. Let's talk a lot of stuff. Again, this is unscripted, and this is the week after the Super Bowl. Super Bowl happened yesterday, Andrew. The Kansas mm-hmm. City Chiefs on a almost last second field goal take down the Philadelphia Eagles in what was a really, really entertaining football game. I mean, I think that's what we all wanted. And and, and I think it's what we talked about, Andrew. Last week on the show, I said, I don't know what's going to happen in this game. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether it's going to be a blowout either way. I don't know whether it's going to be close either way. I don't know what is going to happen in this game. Uh, And kind of when you broke down the game, it's exactly what happened. Philly, those weapons for Philly are awesome. They have those receivers – even the running backs yesterday were really good. Those weapons for Philly were awesome. But in the second half of that game, it was Andy Reid, his coaching staff, and mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes just making plays, and the Kansas City Chiefs come out victorious. They win the Super Bowl, man. How did you enjoy that game? Uh, it was fantastic. I mean, it was <clears throat> as you said, it was everything we wanted it to be. It was uh, back and forth. Um, there was a point in the first half where it looked like the Eagles were going to walk kind of walk away with it. Uh, there was a, there was a part there where it was like, Oh man, this, this could be over by, by halftime or a little bit after. And then of course, you know, the chiefs came out in the second half and did, you know, what they, what they have done to a lot of teams over the years. Um, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league for a reason. You know, I think Andy Reed now is, is up there in terms of the best coaches, uh, not only in the league, but, but really of all time, just in terms of consistent success, yeah. Um, and you know, they, they, they did what great teams do. And that was the reason that I picked the chiefs ahead of time is because the Eagles are, you know, are a good team and obviously they, they proved that they belonged, but the chiefs have that little something extra where, man, I mean, if, if, if things, you know, if they're up against the wall more times than not, they, they bail each other out. I mean, that think about how big that, I mean, obviously Hertz just dropped it, but for Nick Bolton to have the presence of mind to scoop and score there, um, you know, keeping them in that game in the first half when their offense was really struggling, they scored seven points in the first half against the Eagles defense. That's that's really impressive by the Eagles defense and, and surprising for the Chiefs to struggle that much. And then Mahomes gets hurt and comes out and plays lights out in the second half. So, yeah, it, it was it was a classic Super Bowl, and, and I watched, you know, every minute of it. I was engrossed the entire time, and – you know, I think the the knee jerk reaction in the moment was to kind of be a little let down by the ending uh, and, and that penalty call, which you know is is understandable. But really, with 24 hours of, of retrospect, I, I don't. You know, we're not going to remember that. <clears throat> you know, we're going to remember the the Mahomes scramble to get them down into that position. That's really what what you know was the the defining moment of that game, and there were. You know, a ton of great performances, Jalen Hurts and uh, and Mahomes and uh, Nick Bolton, and I can go on. Yeah, it, uh, the the beginning of that game was what what I kind of thought when we talked about the Eagles. It was again, it was it was their their talent everywhere everywhere else that wasn't head coach and quarterback, and their quarterback was outstanding. This is not to put down Jalen Hurts, but man, they just felt way better. Than the Chiefs when it came when it came to defense when it came to man some of those catches that touchdown catch on that long bomb to AJ Brown 
where he adjusted and then readjusted. And every time I saw the replay, the ball just hitting his hands and sticking in the end zone. What a route he ran to get that. They were just on fire. They were on fire. And the Eagles, I mean, it's a tough, it's got to be a tough loss. It's got to be a, you know, like you wake up as Jalen Hurts this morning. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people in our shoes are going to say, you should feel pretty damn good about what you did. 100%. Because he should feel really damn good about what Absolutely. he did. But you were this close to winning. Mm-hmm. You were this close. And he didn't do it. Yeah. It's got to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, it's, I, I think the, Probably knowing him and the way that he has taken on all these challenges over the past few years, he probably is pretty sure he's going to be back there next year, right? I mean, that's probably the the thinking. But we we know from being longtime NFL fans that, you know, it always feels right within your grasp and you just never know, you know, year to year, you just never know how it's all going to play out. So, um, yeah, it's 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 got to feel pretty rough. And, yeah, I, I, I agree that he, he certainly can be incredibly proud. I mean, he he, you know, Obviously, the the way things work now with the NFL, you're never going to have a probably never again have a losing player win MVP. But that's the kind of performance from Hertz that, like, given how close the game was, uh, I wouldn't have been unhappy if he was named most valuable player. I know that's not how it works anymore, but I think you can make the argument. Oh, without question. I mean. I think it's hard to take it away from Patrick Mahomes, but Jalen sure. Hurts, the performance he put on was between running the ball. There yeah. was this comment, uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, Kevo said it, Jalen Hurts almost as good as Brissett on one yard to go on like third, fourth, and one. I think he's better. He might be better, but it, it, I don't think that's just a Jalen Hurts thing. Right. Like, I oh, think Jacoby right. Brissett is Jacoby Brissett. When they would right. go for, when they'd go for those sneaks, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. You probably could just run that for your offense for the Eagles, the way that offensive line blocks. That yeah. is unbelievable. Right. Jalen Hurts yes. was walking across the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Before yeah, he got touched. That offensive line is crazy. Good. I, it's so yeah. hard not. To, the Eagles are an easy team to like all of a sudden. Yep. Like, I don't think the Eagles have always been an easy team to like, but right now they're an easy team to like defensively, offensively. Mm-hmm. A lot of, a lot of guys on that team that are easy to like. And of course the first one on that list if you're a Clevelander, is Jason Kelsey, and man, just watching him, just drooling. I mean, there aren't many guys, Andrew, from a physical perspective, yeah, that have that much of an impact on the game from the center position, right? He's incredible. Yeah. Usually, you talk about centers, you talk about like the mental aspect of the game. You talk about mm-hmm. reading defenses, calling plays, adjusting the line, all that stuff. Yeah. He's a physical freak of nature, that dude. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I mean, I think he he definitely deserves credit for the mental side too. He's he's the full, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the, and I know you weren't saying he, he doesn't. I mean, he's the he's the total package, and uh, you know, it sounds like from what they said last night, uh, you know, that he's going to be back again next year. And like I just said, I mean, they return a lot of these players. The Eagles do so. Makes me so sad. <laughs> you know, I mean, we'll see, we'll see what what happens with the the hires, right? Because it came out yesterday that. Shane Steichen is sort of the leader in the clubhouse for the Colts job, and and Jonathan Gannon is the presumptive uh, favorite uh, for the Cardinals job. So they might lose both coordinators. <clears throat> That's a challenge, certainly. Um, you know that 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 a lot of expertise walking out the door all at once, and of course Steichen calls plays. 
but um, yeah, I mean, there's no there's no reason that the the Eagles shouldn't be right back in the mix next year as as one of the, the favorites to to go back and win it. Hey, let's give a shout out to Paul Spencer here. Subscribe Thanks, for Paul. 19 months in a row. Shout out to you, Paul Spencer. Love that, Bernie Kosar. Gannett, yeah, there it is. And my birthday. My birthday's in six days. Everybody buy me presents. Uh, six days, okay. Yeah, come on, the 19th. Uh, just Sunday. like Bernie Kosar. Uh, what was I going to talk? Oh, uh, so I got I got really good buddies, a couple good buddies that are Eagles fans, right? Yeah. And so you brought up Gannon uh, going out to going out to Arizona potentially. He can yeah. stay there, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not super popular. It doesn't sound like in Philly. Which well, not after last night. Thirty eight no, points. And, and <laughs> the text came. The text came. I want to say something in the first half. My buddy was like, because they were talking about Gannon, and I was like, oh, yeah, you guys are going to be searching for coaches. And he was like, well, we can't get rid of Gannon fast enough. And I'm like, yeah. this is when the Eagles are winning and, like, dominating all, or defensively. And I'm like, yep. Man, maybe I just – maybe I don't know anything. Hey, Brian Cassidy, yours is in nine days. Let's go. Happy birthday, Brian. Uh, I don't know. I, I wonder if that's more of a fan thing, you know, like Pittsburgh fans that want to get rid of Mike Tomlin and all of us. Right. Are like, please, yes. Yeah. Please get rid of him. Or if they know something that I don't know. I mean, of the two sides of the ball, the Eagles' defense has less talent, I think, than their offense, right? Like, um, you know, there, there's a <clears throat> there's a component. I mean, that that Eagles' defense cratered in 2020, you know, and then bounced back last year, and then had an even better this year. This year, I think you have to give the coaching some of the credit for that. Um, he's obviously well thought of. He's a young guy, you know, on the rise in the league. So, um, you know, having said that, I mean, <clears throat> selling a little. Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I I think, you know, what part of it is what makes a good head coach isn't necessarily what makes a good coordinator, right? So, like, um, 
I, I could see Gannon going on and being a very successful head coach, but it also being true that the Eagles fans are kind of done with him as defensive coordinator. I, I, it could cut both ways. Yeah, well, that's true. That is true. He could be a better head coach than coordinator. That is very yeah. true. Yeah. So let's talk about the, the game's going on. Uh, the Eagles go into halftime with a lead and momentum, all the momentum. The yeah. Chiefs come out and just grab the momentum. The Chiefs did not have a drive in the second half where they didn't score. Correct. A couple of the most impressive things. Well, the the one, to me, the most impressive thing. Uh, you could say Patrick Mahomes in the ankle and all that, especially when it got rolled up on. That looked gross. Oof. Yeah. But Jalen Hurts responding. Mm-hmm. After the Chiefs had taken the lead, they're up eight. And Jalen Hurts just drives the Eagles down the yep. field. They score a touchdown. He runs and, and fights forward for the two-point conversion. They tie the game. I went, oh, man, this this kid's – that's his arrival moment, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't matter what he had done to that point in the game. Here's your arrival moment. You just late in the game tied the Super Bowl, and right. you did that. That two-point conversion was spectacular. Uh, yep. That that was awesome. Like, that that moment of the game – I don't remember how much time was there. Maybe four minutes, five minutes left? Yeah, the Chiefs did an incredible job of milking the clock to to, yes. to use the entire clock. Um, yeah, it was it was about four-something four uh, when the yeah. Eagles scored. Yeah, yeah. That was – that was yeah. awesome for me on the other side, the chiefs. I love the fact that the chiefs just ran out the same play twice to score touchdowns uh, in know. the red zone. They I just know. mirrored it. Yep. And Philly just like they read Philly's defense, like a, but there there's your Andy Reed advantage right mm-hmm. there. Yeah. They read Philly's defense, like a book. They knew exactly what they were going to do. They yeah. set them up with the jab and then they threw the right hook and it just worked to perfection. That, uh, you don't see that too much. Usually if a team gets burned on a play, especially wide open like that in the red zone, they're ready for it the next time. Right. Philly was not ready the second time. Yeah. Somebody pointed out today that Doug Peterson ran something similar with the Jags uh, earlier this year and got the Eagles on it too. So I thought that was interesting too, the, the Peterson-Reed connection as well. So, um, yeah, uh, I mean, like I said before, I you know, there was some talk uh before the game that Andy Reid may might retire after this one and I mean uh there's a good chance the Chiefs will be back there pretty much anytime they want right because of how good their team is but um it, you know I I'm always in favor of these guys going out on top I mean you, know, you think about Bill Belichick like I, I know that he You're wants to prove that he can do it without Tom Brady but like he should have just retired in 2019 or whenever no that was anyway the last time they won a Super Bowl whatever <laughs> yeah. year it was like I mean, watching him struggle through having Matt Patricia as offensive coordinator, now he's bringing back Bill O'Brien. It's like, for Andy Reid, it's like, I mean, if Mahomes gets hurt next year and, you know, bounce the ball, whatever, or, you know, all of a sudden it's two years, you haven't made one, now you're coaching in 2026 and you wanted to be done two years ago, like, go out on top, guys. I mean, like, I, I don't, there's, you know, there's, there, to me, it's like, you're better you're, you're better off quitting sooner rather than later like too early rather than too late but that's just me yeah lots there's not really anything to prove for Andy Reid but life right. is, you know you got to understand too life is scary outside of it sure and even yeah. and even Andy Reid you know not to bring up a terrible thing but Andy Reid and his family have dealt with some pretty tragic stuff even you're lately right. and football's got to be his way to just get to the office and like yeah i don't want to say escape because right. that's probably the bad, you know, the wrong verbiage, You're but just to, wrong, to, to take his focus away from something else. And I think a lot of yeah. guys, you see it with a lot of guys that retire and then they're like, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to, re- right. I don't want to retire. I want to come back and do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's hard. Uh, yeah. No, you're right. Big storyline from the game last night. Brian Cassidy just brought it up in the comments. 
uh, says he'd have oh, to rewatch God. it, but uh, the the turf. Yeah. How? How is that a thing we are dealing with in Super Bowl 50 whatever yeah. in the year 2023? Yeah. How are we dealing with turf issues? Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't it's know. embarrassing. Yeah, I, right. I don't know the science behind it, obviously. I am not a turf scientist, and I won't pretend to be. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I will just say that the NFL is very good at uh, missing, you know, the forest for the trees or the trees for the forest, <laughs> however, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, this is, this is like a small thing that's a big thing, right? And... You know, it 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 didn't seem like it affected the game, like in terms of like an obvious like guy running in for a touchdown, slips and falls, or something like that, right? But but you know, guys all night were slipping and couldn't trust their footing, and I'm sure it had an effect. I mean, uh, I think it was was it Carlos Dunlap that said something about it afterwards. Some some player addressed it. Uh, maybe it was on the the Eagles side, but but you know, when when players are bringing it up <laughs> when players are bringing it up after the game and kind of complaining about it, that's when, you know, it's kind of crossed over to the level of unacceptable. And I, I just, you know, um, it, it's just this, this, this really frustrating thing where it, you know, it's kind of like the officiating thing. And I don't mean to speak just about the call at the end, but in general, it cheapens the product, right? If, if, if it's the, the showcase game of the year and guys are falling over but like they're playing on an ice rink just in the same way that, a, that it takes five minutes to determine what a catch is cheapens the game that cheapens the game. And it makes it look, you know, uh, I, I don't even know what the word is. It's obviously not amateurish, but it's sloppy. It's um, you know, it's, it's, it's like a spectacle with, it's like, it's all show and no uh, substance. I, I, I have seen games in the snow in Cleveland that haven't had right. turf issues like that. Yep. Right. I have seen, I, I, and, and, and E. Gillen says it in the comments. Yeah. They had turf yeah. issues all That's season in Arizona. It's been a Maybe decade. Quit, I, I, what are you doing? Maybe yeah. your system of wheeling the turf out and then wheeling it back in and like, maybe that's not working. Yep. Maybe, maybe don't do that. Right. But like, to, I, I, in the Super Bowl, to have, and you could tell it, it definitely, to get to uh, to get to the original point by Brian Cassidy, I think the area where it had the biggest impact was on the pass yeah. rush. Yeah. I think it was on both sides. Yeah, you're talking about two teams that are really good at rushing the passer. Yep. And what did Philly end up with a sack? They did not. The Philly ends. Philly leads the league like record breaking year in team yep. sacks. They get none. Right. And again, it's hard to sack Patrick Mahomes, but you can get yep. to him once or twice. Usually, they get nothing. Uh, and Kansas City, I think, had one, unless they right. got one at the end, something like that. Yeah. You could tell it was in the trenches a complete detriment to the defensive yeah. players. Yes. And like you said, that cheapens the game. That stinks. That's If you're taking away, if Philly's one of the best teams in the league at doing that and you take yeah. that away from them, that cheapens the game. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, all right, let's get to let's get to the one thing about this game that everybody was talking about that everybody's going to talk about. You said it'll get it forgotten, and I agree with you over time. We'll see how long that takes. It's not forgotten at this point. Uh, the end of the game. Yeah. The Kansas City Chiefs 
trying to run down the clock as much as possible. It appears as though the Philadelphia Eagles get a stop on third down. Kansas City's going to have to kick a field goal. And then the flag comes out, and there's a defensive holding call against Philadelphia that allows Kansas City to basically milk the rest of the clock out until they kick the field goal with like four seconds left. Right. Uh, lots of talk from LeBron James on Twitter saying that can't happen in that moment. You can't call that penalty, blah, blah, blah. To other people, you know, the, the officials and 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 uh, who's the head ref on Fox uh, that does like oh, sure. Mike Pereira? Per, uh, Pereira, right? Yeah, Mike Pereira saying, yeah. yes, obviously we could see where this happened. But even he was like, I don't know about this call. There's a lot of conversation about this yeah. call, Andrew. When you watched it live, yeah, what was your what was your thought, and 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 has your thought changed over the last 24 hours? No, I mean, you know, I, I think like big picture number one, NFL officiating is very inconsistent, right? Um, not only game to game, but within games. Um, we've seen it as Browns fans over the years. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head which game it was this year, but there was a game where Jerome Boger was the referee. And you could tell by like midway through the first quarter, it was going to be one of those games, right? Where like he was just going to, they were going to just do what they're going to do. And it was going to get stupid. I mean, I, I, I sometimes will tweet from the OBR account during the game. And I have, you know, I tweeted it in the first quarter, like get ready. This one is going to suck. And then it, it just proceeded to suck for the next three and a half hours. So, um, you know, I think with that context in mind, I kind of watch all of these games with a little bit of like, okay, I guess we'll just, we'll call that, you know, like I, I'm not, I, my expectations are low, I guess is the best way to say it. So in the moment, it felt like a pretty consequential call, obviously. And, you know, those calls, especially the way that Bradbury did it, he did it in such a way that he really, you know, the, the, the main angle they showed kind of hid what he did right mm -hmm. because the guy was running away from the camera you couldn't see how much it slowed him down um so you know i thought it's one of those things where what it looks like on the field live to a referee is different from what it looks like on a replay to me so i'm not like i was never up in arms about it but i also understand the point of like in that position you're making a call that changes fundamentally changes the entire course of the rest of the a super bowl that is tied so you, you want it maybe to be a little bit more blatant than that in that context. And that's something, you know, I saw you and, and Philly going back and forth on this on, on Twitter today. The idea that officials do need to be a little bit contextually aware, right? That like you call, you don't call the game the same all the time. Uh, there are times when you exercise a little bit more discretion. So I, I was interested to hear your thoughts on that. But I no, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not here to, I, I, th I think the reason I dislike that the officiating is so inconsistent is because I don't want to talk about it, right? Like the, yeah, the right. best games of football you watch are the games where you don't talk about the officials. Yeah, listen, uh, that is something uh, – Philly and I had a great conversation on Twitter. Uh, he was kind of making the point that rules are rules. If you break the rule, it gets called. It is what it is. Right. And I'm telling you, if that's how you want football called, you'll hate the game of football within two weeks. You'll hate the exactly. game of football. Right. If the officials call every last little thing that they see, because technically it's a rule, you will hate the game of football. There are contextual things that you have to play in. There are penalties that happen away from the ball that are inconsequential to the play that you don't want to see a flag on. There yep. are penalties that happen well beyond, behind a play that don't affect the play that you don't want to see a flag on. You don't want to see pass interference on a Hail Mary 
when guys right. are crashing into each other unless there's something ridiculously ridiculously blatant. So to me, you got to have that. And so when I first saw the call, Andrew, I didn't love it. Now, I feel like I could see the hold, even though they didn't show the jersey grab, I could see, you could see Juju, like, slow down, and you could see Bradbury catch up to him. It's a sign of a hold, right? Yep. Yeah. The reason I didn't love it at first is that the play resulted in Patrick Mahomes just kind of fading. He was getting pressured. Right. And he just kind of faded off of his back foot and lobbed yeah. it to the end zone. I think and that he saw the hold, flag. right? And maybe he did. But my initial reaction was, oh, I hate, it felt like a little bit of a bailout play. I agree. Like the Chiefs weren't running a good play and now they're getting bailed out for it. It's it's the equivalent of being in like a third and 25 and then just throwing a long bomb down the field, hoping to get, yeah. hoping to get a uh, pass interference. Right. You or never like, want to see a pass you know, Like a three-point shooter that sticks a leg out because they right. know they don't have a good shot, but they can get fouled. You know, they're buying yeah. something. Hate, hate, hate bailout uh, calls. Yeah, for sure. The more... Now, 24 hours later, I'm I'm a thousand percent okay with the call. I was okay with it last night. I just thought, oh, I hate those bailouts. Yeah. Now I'm even more okay with it. Just more context being added to it and watching it more. Uh, yeah. And and you know, Ian's in the comments right now, just saying he saw the hold <laughs> happen. Uh, it affected yeah. the play. I think it did Ian affect the play. Has strong beliefs about the legality of this this play. <laughs> but yeah, you gotta. I mean, you gotta. Unfortunately, in that circumstance, if you see that happen, and if there was a jersey pull and you see it as an official, you got to call it. The the thing that I, if you want to know what I hate more than anything about the whole situation, it's not the call. I feel like the call is is fine. It's the fact that why is every defensive penalty in the NFL an automatic first down? Yeah, I think that's a conversation worth having. That is so not that should have been what what was the down and distance there? I know it was third down. Was it like third and eight or something like that? It definitely was longer than five. Yeah. That should have been a five-yard penalty, replay the down. Third yeah. down and and two or three. Right. I, the fact that in a third and long situation, a team can get a first down on a simple yeah. hold right, is nonsense. It, it, it goes back to the NFL's thing. I don't know. What was that, like a decade ago or two decades ago where they were like, we really need to help out the offenses. And so all penalties were basically designed to help the offense. Right. They got to get rid of some of that. There are some of these penalties that happen. Live ball defensive penalties. And a, a, a defensive holding should not result in a new set of downs. Give them five yards, let them replay the down, and see what happens. That would that could have changed the whole complexion of the conversation about it. Right. But instead, you give them a first down, it lets them run the clock out. That's not yeah. fun. No. That's not fun. No. I would have much rather seen Kansas. I would have much rather seen the right call get made. Kansas City, maybe they don't get it on third down after replaying the down. They kick the field goal. Now Philly gets the ball back with like, I don't know, a minute. Right. That is way more entertaining than giving them a first down for a simple, non-overly obvious, non-overly blatant call. Right. That's that's what pisses me off about it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree. And I I think, uh, you know, it, it's it's one of those situations where the, the game does favor offense. You know, the rules of the game favor offense. And in that situation, it became pretty blatant. I mean, you know, Mahomes, you know, knows, I mean, to, to Ian's point, he knows that if he throws that ball, even if Juju doesn't catch it, you know, the penalty is probably going to get called. And so it's a, it's a, it's a bailout slash. It's a 50, 50 ball 
you know, that, that he's going to let his guy make a play on. And it, it, you know, it just, it makes life easier on a quarterback. And so, but that's, you know, that's what puts butts in the seats, right? And there were 73 points in the Super Bowl. So overall, probably nothing's going to change, but in that moment, it does feel pretty crummy. And Ty Sox saying here, would that result, in, if it wasn't an automatic first, would it result in more holds? Uh, maybe every once in a while. Like you, Ty Sox again says, if I was a DB, I'd grab every time on third and 13. Maybe. You, right, but you got to remember that it's just for holding. It's not for interference, right? So you right. got to grab before the ball is thrown. Right? You got to get and, them at the right time. So you could yeah. miss. Right. If you don't miss, you're still, you're giving them a free play. Like Red Leader said here, it's just like an offside. So, okay, now right. they got a free play flag out. Right. And and even still, you got third and thirteen, maybe. And now we're talking about third and eight. That's still a hard thing to convert, right? Fine, maybe that wouldn't be such a bad play, but maybe that just plays into the strategy of the game. Yeah. But are you gonna are you gonna hold Ty Sox if it's third and eight? Are you right. gonna hold if it's third and nine? Are you gonna hold if it's third and seven? You better not. Right. Especially with pissed. more and more teams going for it on fourth down. You know, we ta- we talked win. about it all season. We talked yeah. about it all season, Andrew. How? The difference between the Browns on third and six and shorter or right. third and six or longer yep. was astronomical. Yep. So you're not gonna you're not gonna be out there grabbing on third and seven, third and yep. eight. Yeah. Given given teams two or three yards to go on, on the on the replay of the down, you're not doing that. Right. So hey, I don't while think we're it ta- makes that big of a difference. While we're talking about rule changes, uh, you know, I, I know Fumble was in the comments talking about the the uh, Eagles' particular version of the quarterback sneak getting potentially outlawed this offseason. I'm interested to see what happens with that because I, two th- there's two options, right? Either they make it illegal to push the guy and they make it – I don't know how you can legislate how low the offensive line gets because that seems even more important than the pushing from behind. So, but either they, they legislate something about that or everybody in the league should be doing that right ne- next year. I mean, that's the those are the two options. Everybody in the league should be doing that. Yeah. There's, I mean, I, I, if they legislate away from that, I'll be, that would piss me right off. There's I'm this, not, I'm not, yeah, I'm oh, not advocating one way or the other. Yeah. I, oh, just, I, I think it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting. I hope they don't even consider it. I hope it's not even a discussion. Right. There's, there was this thing. It, remember the Bush push? I do. The Bush push Definitely. created the most wildly misunderstood situation in all of football rules amongst the fans the bush push every fan felt like it's illegal you can't do that you can't push a guy from behind and then you heard it for I mean, we've heard it for decades now we've heard yeah. it for decades because people don't understand it the rule in football is that you cannot like assist by by like lifting a guy you can't carry a guy forward right. if you're a lineman behind a quarterback you can't pick his ass up and run him forward you can push him all you want you, as long as you're just shoving him in the back, shove him in the back. Right. That's all good. I I, I agree. Red leader a thousand percent. It's a fundamental play. Yeah. It is a fun. It's a fundamental play. And if you can't stop it as a defense, that's a you problem. Yeah. Well, I would, I would just say then that um, you will know if you have a good or a bad coach next year, if they are doing this. Oh, well now I feel, I feel real good about Kevin Stefanski. <laughs> I mean, he likes running these kind of plays. Well, but 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 they, you know, as you mentioned earlier, they were relying on Jacoby Brissett to specifically do what he does on sneaks, which is different from what the Eagles are doing. For sure. And and the Browns have not, you know, they didn't do any of that stuff with the lower leverage level for the offensive line. They didn't do anything with the formation to help push the quarterback across the line of scrimmage. So 
Um, they ran a lot of QB sneaks, but they were relied on Jacoby Brissett's specific expertise, and he probably won't be back next year. No, I think, and I think the reason the Eagles are so successful at it, I to me, I think it's way more about what you said before. Fumble just said it. They run it like a like a scrum. Yeah. Yeah. That offensive line, uh, the reason other teams are not are not going to be, even if they run that play, they're not going to be as successful as the Eagles is because there aren't many teams that have that offensive line or or that skill or ability on that offensive I mean, it's line. A technique. I, I feel like you can teach that technique over the course of an offseason. You can teach the technique, but are, are your guys as good? No, I understand. I understand. But I'm saying, I, I'm just saying, if you're, if you're, if your team doesn't try that version of it next year, I think that that they're lazy frankly well all right we're going to hand out next year we are handing out the andrew spade lazy award to whatever teams don't do that it'll be part of the nfl uh Listen, awards at the i know from lazy i know a little <laughs> bit about being lazy so it'll be part of the nfl award show at the end of the season speaking yeah. of the nfl award show Segway. at the end of the season that happened the things that have happened since the yeah. last time you and i were on the nfl award show the the that award ceremony wonderful. And we've got to take a minute here. We we sat there on Thursday night. We showed up on you and I showed up on All Eyes on Cleveland, Brad Ward show. Uh, again, that's Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Uh, you and I showed up because we thought, all right, we'll show up. Joe Thomas, we'll get the news. We'll get the news. Well, they didn't announce it until 1030 <laughs> at night. And we were like, well, we're not going to sit here for two hours and do this. Uh, but that's the big news. All of Cleveland rejoices. All of Cleveland celebrates the Iron Man himself, Joe Thomas, one of the greatest linemen in the history of football, is officially a Hall of Famer. Uh, I don't know about you, Andrew. I, I watched the video. I think it was Walter Jones that went to his house to tell him. I watch, I've watched that video maybe 200 times. Yep. That giggle. If you want to know why, if you are, are outside of Cleveland, if you're watching this or, or whatever at some point, now, on demand, whatever, if you're watching this and you're like, why do these people love that guy as much as they do? Watch Joe Thomas's giggle when they tell him he's a Hall of Famer. Yep. That's why we love him right there. Yep. That's it, it, He did what he did on the field, but that man is just iconic human being. Iconic human being, a Hall of Famer in so many ways. So good to see, finally see Andrew, a modern Brown being inducted as a first ballot hall of famer. Yeah. I said this, I said this on Thursday night, um, perhaps not so not very eloquently and I'll, maybe I'll try again, but I feel like, you know, Joe Thomas making it into the hall of fame means that what happened over the first 20 years of the Browns return can't be all bad. You know? Uh, I mean, it was, it was rough so many times and, and obviously, one of the things that I hate the most is that he's got an 0-16 season on his resume, uh, which is just absolutely astounding considering what a player he is um, and obviously not playing in a playoff game. Despite those things, this is an achievement for that organization. And, you know, obviously it mostly accrues to him as a person, but, you know, the we, we often talk about everything that was wrong with the Browns over the course of that 20 years. It can't have been all bad if he stuck around. You know, I mean, you you told the story of of him turning down Peyton Manning uh, to had a chance to go to the to Denver and try and win a Super Bowl. Um, it, it, you know, I I just like I I mean, Joe Thomas deserves the lion's share of the credit, but I just think 
you know, there is a bright spot for all of those years of misery and it's him, you know, and that's, it's as simple as that. And so for, to see him get rewarded in this way, uh, I'm so excited to see Canton in, in August. Um, you know, hopefully, uh, I, you know, I might try and get up there myself and, and just kind of bask in it because I mean, the whole problem with the past 25 years is that there's been nothing to celebrate, but we can celebrate this unreservedly unreservedly and celebrate we will i love that he brought up that story he's done a lot of interviews uh uh online with the browns the browns have released, yeah. released a lot of videos uh uh but i what i loved what he said he he brought up that story that he told us on garage beers on our 100th episode about peyton manning came calling uh and he turned him down and he said nah i'm gonna stay in cleveland and uh he said I, i'm not gonna ask for a trade to denver uh, and, and, and he explained it really well in one of the videos. I don't know if you guys saw it, but in one of these videos, now that he's a hall of famer, he, he said that his, his whole mantra, his whole motto was that you can count on me. You can count on me, whatever's going on, no matter how good or bad things get, uh, we need 10 yards. We need five yards. We need two yards. We need something. We need motivation on the sideline, whatever we need. You can count on me. That was his motivation. That was his motto through his whole career. And so when Peyton Manning came calling and said, hey, ask for a trade to Denver. We could use it. We're going to go win a Super Bowl. In his head, he said, well, that goes against you can count on me. Because if I leave, then these people that I've told forever they can count on me, the city of Cleveland can't count on me anymore. And that's why he stayed. And I think that is, that's so cool. The videos were great. I know I see it in the comments. People are talking about, uh, when they did tributes to him and, and you saw guys like Brady Quinn and Alex Mack and Josh Cribs and Doug Deacon and all these guys, you saw his parents and his wife and his kids, uh, super emotional. Uh, but again, it makes it so much, it makes it so much more fun that this just couldn't have happened to a, a better guy, mm. you know, for what he did on the field, nearly incomparable, uh, you you can argue that he's an all-time you could say he is the all-time greatest and nobody would really have an argument against that uh but it's for what he does off the field too and and how involved he was here in the community and his life as a dad and as a and a husband and a son and all that it could not happen to a better guy the fact that he's going to be in Canton forever these videos do something to me every year andrew mm -hmm. they remind me that these guys don't always just take it for granted for sure. And what I mean by that is Joe Thomas was a surefire Hall of Famer. Did you just lose power or something over there? Yeah. Just for a second. No, oh, nice. There you are. Uh, Joe Thomas, easy first ballot Hall of Famer, right? Mm -hmm. Like we knew it was coming. There was no, there was no like suspense to this. Right. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. And yet his reaction when they told him he was a Hall of Famer yeah. was the the gratitude it, it you just can tell that they don't take it for granted and especially when you watch the other guys i don't know if you guys watched all the videos of them being told zach thomas's was incredible yeah for you sure you gotta remember zach thomas has been on that ballot for a while now yep, yep. and it, it was starting to look like maybe zach thomas is never gonna get in yep and when he walked up those stairs and he saw those people in his house he lost it yeah i think even the first ballot guys understand that you can't take it for granted and that's sure. what makes the whole thing so cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 great. You know, I mean, I've been watching. They've been doing this with the the way that they do it now, with you know, giving guys the news in this special kind of way and everything. They've been doing this for a few years, and I mean, obviously, it's never been a Browns player, so. I, you know, you watch it and you pay attention, but it doesn't mean the same thing, right? I mean, some of the guys that have gotten in are, are players that are favorites of mine, you know, um, guys that I enjoyed watching, but it's, it's different. It's absolutely different when it's a, a player that you watched game after game after game and, and, you know, was, had such a personal relationship with the city of Cleveland. It's, uh, it's incredible. And I, and I, you know, I know that Joel Batonio probably has a case, um, you know, uh, by the time his career is over, especially if he can finish strong over the next few years. Um, you know, uh, other than that on the roster currently, I mean, it would be Nick Chubb, maybe. I mean, Miles Garrett obviously is going to have a case. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the thing about it, I mean, to your point about not taking it for granted, if Miles Garrett, I mean, God forbid I'm knocking on everything I own, but if he didn't play another snap, is he a Hall of Famer right now? I think that's, yeah, it's one of the one of the tricky things about it, right? Because it's a career achievement. And, you know, a lot of players in, in Cleveland have, have had careers that have, you know, they've burned brightly, but it's been for short. And so Joe Thomas is the exception to the rule. And, you know, we just don't know. You don't know when, when as a Browns fan, you're going to get to watch another one of the players that you watched every week go in. Yeah, no doubt about that. Think about think about all the guys Joe Thomas played with and how uh, none of them got in. So that's exactly that. Tells exactly. You yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, uh, the fact that Brady Quinn isn't in, it's just a, it's a travesty. Tra- Travis Shamakery. Uh, <laughs> other names in the class. Again, I talked about Zach Thomas, DeMarcus, where his video was great. Rondé yep. Barber, another guy that you weren't sure if Rondé Barber was ever going to yep. get in. Rondé Barber's in. Uh, that's great. Darrell Rivas was an easy yeah, uh, an easy uh, selection. Uh, and then some of the old timers, Don Coriel, an old coach, uh, yep. Ken Riley, Chuck Howley, and Joe Klecko. Uh, that was the Hall of Fame class. Uh, that'll be the induction. Uh, and it'll be a. I, I, I'm so excited to see what Canton is like yeah. when they're putting Joe Thomas in. Yeah. It's going to be rowdy down there. It should be. And, it should be impressive. That's, I, I just want, I want it to be, you know. It Championship parade for Cleveland for the Cavs vibes. Yeah. Uh, other, otherwise, did we learn anything else from uh, the award ceremony? Uh, I think the the one thing you got to learn is you got to feel pretty damn good if your team can find a quarterback. You right. got to be feel pretty damn good to be a Jets fan. You won both the offensive and defensive rookie of the year. Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson both take home the awards for the Jets. That's that's a hell of a place to start. Oh. We lost Andrew. Well, as he sorts through that situation, uh, that's a hell of a place to start for the New York Jets. Coming away with the offensive and defensive rookie of the year. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, obviously the MVP, deservedly so. Uh, Nick Bosa, there you are. Hey, hi. Hey. I was, how about those Jets? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, if they can, as you were saying, if they can pull off the quarterback situation, uh, another team in the AFC that'll be quite formidable. Um, you know, I mean, you see, you see lots of rookies of the year, you know, not live up to the promise of their first year. But I think everybody thinks that Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner are going to be really good players for a long time. And I, you know, I'm not. I mean, those players are good. I'm not 100% sold on the coaching staff there. Um, you know, I think Robert Sala is, is okay. I, the choice of Nathaniel Hackett as offensive coordinator is 
is puzzling. And if another team was dumb enough to hire Nathaniel Hackett specifically to try and get it in with Aaron Rodgers, the guy that, you know, doesn't even know himself, uh, you know, it, that would be a, a real miscalculation. Um, cause if they swing and miss on, on Rogers and I mean, or even if they succeed, I mean, Hackett just put up, put together one of the worst offenses in the league last year. The, the fact that he's an offensive coordinator for a defensive head coach, you know, that's it. I mean, and, and Aaron Rodgers is, is older. There's a chance that that backfires on them pretty spectacularly. So I, I'm not like two feet on the Jets bandwagon just yet. Cause I think there's some pretty big questions they have to answer yet. And I don't know that it, to me, it's not one of those situations where you get Aaron Rodgers and all of a sudden you start the victory parade. Right. I mean, they, they still, they're in arguably the toughest division in the league right now. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they still have some pretty big questions, not just the quarterback. I mean, the, the offensive line is an issue. Anyway, we can we don't need to go deep on the Jets. No, that's what just, franchise voters for. Yeah, just just interesting. Again, I was saying Mahomes won MVP, Nick Bosa yeah, won Defensive yeah, Player yeah. of the Year, and neither of those things really surprised. So, right. uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was a lot. That was a lot. That was a lot. That was a lot. I, I I don't know that I need to see how long was that show? Like three hours, four hours? It was a full three hours, and I. Kirk Cousins was singing right before they announced the guys that went into the Hall of Fame. And yeah, I don't, I don't need that again. I don't need George oh, Kittle boy. singing to, uh, to Brock Purdy again. Whew. Ever. It's and a, they're all singing Kelly Clarkson songs. I, that was, I, you know, I yeah, and it, you know what? And it's kind of like, I mean, all, how all of the commercials last night were geared specifically towards people like our age and a little bit older, right? Like Gen Xers and and older millennials, like. Um, it does not feel good. I do not like being, I, I, I'm, I am used to things being designed for other people and me kind of rolling my eyes at them. Getting to the age where I am the target demographic is a, is a rude awakening. Yeah. Now you're watching the commercials. Like, you know what? I do need to boost my cell signal. <laughs> yeah. But no, I I'm like, Oh man, they, they did a Caddyshack parody of this this beer company. Oh, okay. Well, now I'm intrigued. Who they got playing Judge Smales? Yeah, right. And it yeah. was ridiculous. Uh, God, it, I don't. It, the commercials I think are always entertaining. But we do this thing. We, I talked about it last week. We do this thing with the Super Bowl that we got to get like the most. We're the most critical people when it comes to like the halftime show and the commercials. It's this weird, yeah, yeah. hypercritical phase that yeah. we go in. All yeah. we're doing is, all we're doing is being critical. Oh, well, if I was in charge of the halftime show, I wouldn't have done all those platforms. I would have done something. Oh, who gives a shit? Why are you so critical? The commercials last night, Twitter. What you? It was like a whole bunch of Siskel and Eberts about commercials yeah. on on yeah. Twitter. Speaking of age, uh, they. Maybe they were good. Maybe they weren't good. They're commercials. Right. They're commercials. What are yeah. we doing here? Yeah. What are we right. doing? Yeah. Some of them were great. I thought some were really funny. I thought some were ridiculous. Yeah. We had a company that spent a lot of money on Jesus rebranding. That was weird in the middle of the Super Bowl. I don't, I'm not bringing up religion. It just was a right. weird thing that happened yeah. in the middle of the Super Bowl. The ones that can really kiss my ass, though. <laughs> I'm not trying to cry during the Super Bowl. No, but I'm not trying to cry during the Super Bowl. Okay. And and when we got dogs growing up and getting old and and babies and dogs and then dogs making friends 
and people having to put their dogs down. I don't need a Marley and Me commercial during the Super Bowl. Okay. Trying to watch football here, and I'm getting all emotional by myself on the couch. (laughs) Luckily, I'm alone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, you know, I lost the dog this past year. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I get why it's sad and why it's un, undesirable, but also like it's one of the most beautiful relationships in life, man. So I, you know, celebrating that, even if it is for callous commercial gain, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. It made me think about my dog and I, you know, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Listen, it was beautiful. And the commercial was actually, it was a great ad for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, a thousand percent, the, but yeah, the, we're talking about the first one, right? With the the lab, yeah. yeah. Yep, and then the Amazon the one kind of missed me a little bit. Uh, I thought, but the the, fir- the first one for like some sort of um, natural dog food was, I thought, very effective, especially because the implicit the implication of the ad was buy our dog food and your dog will live longer. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what? I you know, that. I wish, I hope somebody makes an ad that just has that as the tagline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just cut all the other shit out and just, yeah, just <laughs> just a black our, screen with white text. Buy our food and we won't kill your dog. dog. Monty Python and the Holy Grail style. Monty right, Python. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buy our food, your dog will live a little longer than you thought Throw he was. Throw your wallet to. at the TV. Cheers. Yeah. Uh, look at, we started a whole thing. And first of all, Paul Spencer's called me a heartless dog hater. Get over yourself. I've had dogs since I was 10. He's a troublemaker. He is a troublemaker. He's a troublemaker. I like let's, Tony let's here. Block. Tony Bellow. Bellow. R.I.P. to all the dogs. You know what? Yeah. Shout out yeah. to all dogs. All dogs go to heaven. Uh, and Fumble, you're right. Losing a pet, the most painful thing. It is. Uh, I've, I've dealt with some painful things. That's rough. That is. Yeah. That's rough. Uh, <laughs> you didn't feed your dog our stuff. You're a loser. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That way, I Don't mean, be like the team that loses the Super Bowl tonight. Feed right. your dog our stuff. That was the vibe. That mm-hmm. was the vibe. All right, let's uh, let's spend the last couple minutes talking about some Brown stuff that happened. Uh, that was uh, just heading into the off season that have happened since the last yeah. time we talked. Yeah. Last time you and I really talked, Andrew, was Thursday on All Eyes on Cleveland, and we were having an intense battle about coaches, defensive coaches. Why are <laughs> these guys still here? What are we doing? Blah blah. Well, very shortly thereafter. Yeah. It's announced that Jeff Howard uh, from the from the Browns, uh, he was their defensive pass game coordinator. He was their defensive backs coach, uh, was sniped away and taken by the Chargers to be their linebacking coach. And so the Browns, uh, it's like it's it feels like that first domino that kind of happened, right? Like I yeah. think part of the reason people were getting so stressed out about this was that they we kind of expected things to happen. And then just weeks kept going by without things yeah. happening. Sure. And then nothing was happening. And so mm-hmm. it was like a thing happened and everybody was able to breathe a sigh of relief. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, and I see people in comments saying thank you to the chargers. And, and of course, you know, you will know that I had pretty strong feelings about Jeff Howard myself, but listen, uh, Brandon Staley is the head coach of the chargers. And you can say what you want about him as a head coach. Uh, he is one of the, best defensive minds in the game of football. Uh, Jiro Evero is a defensive coordinator who, you know, I'm rather fond of is the new defensive coordinator in Carolina. And apparently Howard had an offer from the Panthers as well. These are two bright young defensive minds and they both wanted Jeff Howard. So I am here to hold my hand up and say, I was wrong about Jeff Howard. 
wrong. I'm not saying Mike was right. Let's just be clear about that. I mean, but that's what I hear. <laughs> all I'm saying is that <laughs> Jeff Howard did not come across well in his media appearances in Cleveland. And I, I mean, one of the points that you made that I do think is correct is that people rush to blame the defensive backs coach for miscommunications in the secondary when those could have their roots in a lot of different places. Uh, Regardless, it's obvious that he is a well-thought-of coach um, who is, you know, moving on to in enhance his career. He's, co he's coaching inside linebackers instead of defensive backs. He's obviously trying to uh, develop his skill set with an eye towards becoming a defensive coordinator. So um, Howard, you know, is a guy that I think caught a lot of hate in Cleveland. And I, you know, now I'm thinking I wouldn't be surprised if he's a defensive coordinator in the next few years. Yeah, well, again, uh the uh, the ultimate uh, bottom line to all of this is that, of course, with a new defensive coordinator, after a two not very fun seasons back-to-back, yeah. -back, right. you're going to have the turnover. But again, turnover for the sake of turnover, it's, it's the same thing. You know, we just went through the NBA, just went through the trade deadline. Making trades right. just for the sake of making trades doesn't just inherently make you better. Right. Turnover for the sake of turnover doesn't make you better and there's got to be purposes to things and that was my that was always my point in talking I don't really give a shit about Jeff Howard to be honest right. with you right for me though it was if if you've just hired Jim Schwartz and he wants Jeff Howard and they're going to be able to work together then let's yeah. see this thing through yep but uh so Jeff Howard uh we saw uh Eco OBR here. Glad to hear the Kiffin is moving on. That is the indication, at least. Uh, Kiffin is a Chris Kiffin is a. Uh, I think the last thing I saw was like a favorite to land a job with the Texans. I believe. Yeah, I think it's, uh, the same job, but in Houston. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's coming. It's here. The. Yeah. I, I think again. I think people just have to realize. I know the Browns haven't played in a long time, <laughs> but the season ended yesterday. Right. The season ended yesterday, and there's a lot of guys now who were are waiting. It's a holding yeah. game. Where where are these coordinators for Philly going to go? Where are they going right. to wind up? Where yeah. are where are guys that are going to get poached from Kansas City? Where are they going to wind up? All these people are sitting here waiting just to see what's kind of going to happen around the league. Yeah, it takes a minute for the dust to settle after the season, and so I know the Browns were pretty quick to make a hire with their defensive coordinator, but. You know, now they got to, you know, you're not, you're hiring guys that you got to get the right fit for the right system. And, and Jim Schwartz has got to get the right guys. And it just is going to take a minute. So I think everybody, you know, it's, it's kind of that sigh of relief. They've all right. All right. A couple of these guys that people really want to gone are apparently going to be gone. One, definitely. Right. Another right. one looks like he's going to be gone. And now, and now it's just a wait and see game, but I, it doesn't seem like there needs to be any rush on this at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think your, your point about uh, the, some of the coaches from Philadelphia that Jim Schwartz worked with um, getting loose, you know, uh, would be one thing to watch. Um, you know, there's a pretty good defensive staff in Arizona. Uh, some of those guys getting loose if Jonathan Gannon goes there would be another thing that might move this along. I mean, obviously now they have to make at least one, possibly two hires. Um, you know, the other thing I'll just say is I listened to, uh, since the last time we spoke, I, I listened to the Jim Schwartz interview on Cleveland Browns Daily, uh, which I would encourage you all to listen to because, you know, it's one of those 20-minute interviews where they really dig in. Uh, and I, I just, the, the thing that I took away from it more than anything is that Schwartz talked specifically about communication issues 
and explaining things clearly, simplifying things for players uh, a few times. And so it wouldn't surprise me uh, if still, even with these changes, we don't see a ton of turnover at the position coach level on the defense. I think the I think the story from from the front office and and head coach of the Browns is that Joe Woods made things more complicated than they need to be a lot of times and 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 That's they think they've got the players and the system for the most part to do what they need to do if they just get out of their own way. That I mean, you listen to that interview from Jim Schwartz; he basically said that. Yeah. So um, that's my takeaway, and I I think. You know, uh, whether or not that's true, obviously, uh, time will tell. But that seems to be kind of the the thinking is it's not a burn it down to the, you know, to the ground and, and rake through the ashes situation. They are looking to take a lot of what they've already done and build on it and 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 kind of hit the ground running. Yeah, well, we'll have to see again uh, the season officially over today, the first day of the NFL offseason and a lot of stuff coming up, obviously. Uh, we're going to be talking draft. We're going to be talking free agents. We're going to be yeah. talking trades. And the OBR is going to cover it like nobody else. But uh, listen, the Super Bowl is in the books. The Kansas City Chiefs are champions. Joe Thomas is a Hall of Famer. And my beer is gone. And Same. so now we're going to call it. It's time to call it for this episode of Unscripted. Uh, it's been awesome. It's been a blast. Thank you to everybody that joined us in the comments. Uh, love that you guys are really a part of the show. Uh, yep. You're not just over there in the comments, but we love having you as part of the show. Even Philly, he came looking for a fight tonight. You're not going to get one. You're not going to get one. I already, I already brought you up. I already brought you up. Uh, so uh, real quick, again, back to the OBR. Get over there. Get subscribed. A lot of great stuff going on on the OBR as far as writing content is concerned, uh, as well as the streaming network. Tomorrow, again, we might have franchise mode. We might not. I'll just wait for Andrew to text me on that. Uh, Jake's going to have a show tomorrow, and I think I'm going to join him. But it's Valentine's Day, so, you know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. Uh, no. I don't. I got a show on Valentine's Day, and that is well, that takes you know, precedence. Some, okay. Well, <laughs> that's married life for you in a nutshell. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, no, we'll I'm see screaming, what's going on. Leave me alone. We'll see what's going on with the 7 o'clock hour. Uh, the nine o'clock hour again. Uh, we are joined on Garage Beers by uh, uh, Curtis Danberg, the VP of Communication for the Cleveland Guardians. We're going to talk a little baseball, and we're going to talk about the Cavs and the Blue Jackets and the Super Bowl and all that stuff. Garage Beers is going to be a good time tomorrow at nine o'clock. Wednesday at seven o'clock, it's OBR Weekly with Fred and Barry, and then Thursday it's All Eyes on Cleveland with Brad Ward at eight p.m. It's a packed schedule here in the off season on the streaming network, and we love that you guys all take uh, take the time to be a part of it. So. That's going to do it for us. For Andrew, go follow him at Andrew Spade. For me, I'm Michael Keefe. Follow me at Garage Beers Mike. This has been Unscripted. Till next week, see you later. Cheers. Go Browns, everybody. Go Browns. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 